Hello, how the tech are you? This is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. We talk about science and tech news and anything we feel like talking about in the in that kind of general topic. Uh, I am historian Matt. I do a lot of like science and tech news type stuff, but uh, today I have some specifically some like science news and a little bit that has to do with uh, um, tech and security. Uh, one of the topics I cover a lot is security. So uh, we got a full house today. So uh, you with the, the pink hat. <laughs> How's it going? I am HK Perrin. I'm a software engineer, so I generally cover software engineering news. And this week I have a cool thing that I would like to highlight. It's a project that just reached their 1.0 release. It's a uh, front-end framework called Van.js. So I'm going to talk about that. Now over to you in the gray hat. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm the producer of this show and all the shows here at Echoplex Media. This week I have a story about a... Uh, Google Street View uh, car chase and um, no porn hub in Arkansas. So Matt, take it away. Yeah. Just realized I didn't actually introduce my topic, so it'll be a surprise. Uh, I got two topics. So the first one is room temperature superconductor, maybe. Uh, so this is an interesting one. I wanted to cover this. It's kind of made a lot of news recently. The papers came out last month. There, there are actually a couple papers on it, but. Some researchers may have created a room temperature superconductor. Uh, it's currently called LK-99. Sure, that's just a working title until they can come up with a better name. Um, but uh, yeah, the papers came out last month. The researchers, the, the problem is, even though they've you know claimed this, they showed all their data, they described how to create the material. Uh, they've even showed some interesting stuff like uh, you know the superconductor actually floating over a magnet which is something superconductors do, but doing it obviously at room temperature. Um, the uh, other researchers have yet to completely replicate the material and prove that its properties are what, what is claimed. The, the issue is this material that they, they've made, it's pretty complicated to manufacture. There's a lot of, uh, it's a big process and very and minor vi variations in the manufacturing process can uh, make a big difference, and they think it may be screwing around with the properties of the final material. Uh, however, at least one researcher thinks they have completely replicated the material and proved that it can act as a superconductor, but not at the room temperatures claimed. So what do you guys think? I have a link to the article with a lot more information for people who are interested. It'll be in the show notes. But what do you guys think? You heard about this? I I think we're like two years away from Star Trek replicators, transporters, faster than light travel. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna this is gonna revolutionize everything, cure all diseases. Uh, everyone will be happy. No more hunger. I don't think that's you know things all things that superconductors can do. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some pretty wild claims about this. Uh, it would be really cool to have a room temperature superconductor. Yeah. Um, but some of the claims floating around the internet, I don't think are possible even with room temperature superconductors. Yeah. So even if this Oop. isn't quite as good as it's claimed or whatever, if it, if they, if they, if someone has created something that requires maybe less cooling than we need now, that's a big step in the right direction anyway. So if it's like 70% yeah. of what they're saying it is, it's still a pretty big deal. 
Yeah. Well, it yep. sounded like the uh, the people who replicated it, but got a different temperature. They they were getting it to superconduct at like a hundred Kelvin, which is really cold. <laughs> it's it's still pretty pretty low. I mean, it's not near absolute zero, but it's uh, um, not. I think it's in line with some other superconductors, but yeah. they, they seem to um, said it dissipated as it went higher. But there is supposedly a video floating around of the room temperature superconductor that they made, you know, floating on a magnet, like it does when, uh, and the magnet isn't like a special magnet. Cause apparently if you have a strong enough magnet, anything floats, <laughs> including mice, apparently, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was an experiment that happened at some point. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's some evidence that it worked, but nobody's no, nobody's for sure. And it's, it's a pretty complicated formula. And the, on top of that, like if you see the formula written out for this, for what they made, the material they made, there's like X's in there because apparently the exact number of atoms is variable or something. It's it's very strange. Very strange. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I what don't happens. have my hopes up. Yeah, we'll we'll see yeah. what happens. I wouldn't want to get your hopes up, but it was kind of a big deal, like. Uh, hopefully it will, uh, they'll work out all the problems and it will actually be a real room temperature, temperature, superconductor could, you know, revolutionize a lot of different, uh, um, industries, but the history of this has not gone very well. Yep. I mean, there are other room temperature superconductors, but, uh, um, they they require like a bunch of pressure, which kind of defeats. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, I'll move on to my next uh, topic. Um, this one is a little, little scarier. This one's an innocent woman arrested due to, to faulty facial recognition. And uh, so basically there's, there's this innocent pregnant woman, which is important. Uh, she was pregnant. Uh, is named Portia Woodruff was arrested by the Detroit police for robbery and carjacking based on facial recognition. And how do we know that she is innocent? Well, the security cameras that caught the you know footage of the the crime as it happened show a woman, and that's what they use for the facial recognition. Uh, fa- facial recognition, but the woman is clearly not pregnant, even though the one you know this woman that they arrested is apparently very pregnant. <laughs> uh, so very obviously pregnant. So they you know complete failure and police work there. But uh, basically what happened was the police ran facial recognition software against the security footage and compared it to archived mugshots. Uh, Portia Woodruff, who was arrested, had a mugshot taken years ago, and that's why her, her face came up. Uh, and it matched for some reason, but uh, obviously she had nothing to do with the crime. And unfortunately, incidents like these are becoming more common as police departments rely more on more heavily on facial recognition. And finally, for my final question for you two, can you guess what her skin color is? Oh, well, this, this, this is historically bad at, at, at yes. figuring out uh, who's who with black people. Yep. Yes. That is yeah. definitely a problem, and that seems to be the problem in this case. Yeah. Um, I think, like, humans are incredibly good at determining like someone's face like recognizing someone's face right we are Ex- incredibly good at it except for if we 
are trying to recognize the face of a group of people that we're not used to seeing on a regular basis. Okay. Does that make sense? But like, what I mean to say is we are incredibly good at it. And even we are fooled all the time. Yes, that is true. Like when we're like, is that, is that Robert Downey Jr.? And then you go up to them and they're like, no, I'm not Robert Downey Jr. You're like, oh, yeah. Except for the time that it is. And he just says not because you're like, maybe that's Robert. You're like, that's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Oops. Time to go. (laughs) But yeah, uh, like even we are susceptible to that. Like all the time people mistake someone for someone else. Yeah. Like when they intimately know someone's face. Yeah. So yeah, the, the fact that software does that too. Um, like we should expect that. That's why like software should never be like open and shut. It should always be like just a, a hint. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like you, you don't use it as evidence. You use it as a guide. Right, right. right. Yeah. You use it like <clears throat> you use it basically the same way you might use a, a an artist sketch, right? That someone, yes. that, that someone would, well, would, would like you know, they describe the, the, whoever they think they saw to a sketch artist and the sketch artist, we understand that it's not going to be a perfect sketch because, you know, they're having to get the information from the person who saw it and interpret what they're saying and tweak it a little bit as they go. And so we understand it's not going to be a perfect sketch. And I think that <clears throat> that's a better way to think about facial recognition software is that we, it would, it's going to be, you know, in the realm of that, where it's like a guide where we have, like you were saying, where we have some idea that it might be this person, but that we should definitely uh, do some uh, uh, looking with our own eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, w- I would argue though for the police sketch that we shouldn't use them at all. But that's <laughs> beside the point. They, there's a lot of problems with them, different problems. But Fair uh, yeah, definitely should be. You can use them to kind of like maybe narrow down some suspects, but they definitely should not be relied on and should be supported by other evidence besides just the facial recognition. If, and then obviously if the person that you're arresting is obviously pregnant and the person yes. in the photo, the video is not, <laughs> maybe you should rethink about what something, what you're doing. Yeah. Like one of two things is happening. Either this person has gestated at a rate unheard of before in humans or yeah. your software is dumb. Yeah. Guess which one's more likely. <laughs> yeah. Your software being dumb. And <laughs> it's odd that this person was I, was a, arrested. Like, you'd think that you think that the people going to arrest the person or whatever would end up being like, well, I did see that footage and it looked like, um, looked like this isn't the right person. And then the, you'd think they'd get on the horn to somebody and be like, hey, uh, person you sent me to is clearly pregnant i I don't i don't think we can i don't think we you know i think we got this one wrong friendos yeah my question would be like how are the police allowed to arrest someone just based on like a facial recognition match right you think question them sure but like arrest them solely based on a facial recognition match no someone should actually go there and look and be like no you're not the right person yeah (laughs) sorry to bother you today (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean like you were saying like absolutely it should have gone from we have a match to we clearly have a mistaken match right yeah (laughs) yeah this is this is a false positive 
but you know it's <clears throat> it's just more in like the long line of the of the history of the way that law enforcement be it through technology or through the biases of the people involved in law enforcement and the justice system or it's just always black folks get to get the raw deal it's just it's just just the way it is and this is just an extension of it and it may be uh maybe a function of who's out there making this facial recognition software it almost certainly is yeah yeah it's a uh, bad news that sucks like she got arrested and processed even though she like how how do you, Matt, do you know how long did they like immediately release her when they realized that this was? Uh, she didn't stay very long, but it was an immediate re- release. I, I, it's in the article. I want to say it's like a day. That's what? That's ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's way too long, right? <laughs> yeah, it should have been one minute. <laughs> yeah. Like she opened the door and they're, oh, I'm sorry to oh, bother you. Yeah. <laughs> wrong house. <laughs> yeah, You're clearly not like, the person we're looking for. <laughs> They they apparently like took her phone and searched her phone and all her contacts and she didn't get it back until you know much later and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, she was fully processed. I hope she get paid. Yeah, yeah, she should too. It wouldn't be that wouldn't be like super a lot of money, but what's a day in jail and like the the humiliation, maybe a missed days of work or like just and yeah. in addition to like be like you're doing this is happening to you while you're uh, as you were saying very pregnant. So yeah, 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 yikes. Yeah, I'm I'm personally of the opinion that like even if you know someone only misses a day or whatever, if it's something this egregious, uh like the cops should have to pay a lot. Yeah. Like maybe like $15,000 for that. Yeah. Right, just and enough to make it so that they don't do this again. Right. Yeah, and then like if she ever if like she had suffered any harm or anything, if they had like uh, like bruised her or anything, then it goes to like, okay, make it a hundred thousand dollars. Yep. Yeah. I think I just, this is, this is ridiculous. I like, like you were like, like you were saying, this should be like at the very best, like a, like a suggestion. Like at yep. the, at the very most, like, oh, you might want to see if it's this person, not, oh, it's this person. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, eventually, you know, if the cops keep doing that, they'll they'll start whining we can't keep doing our cop thing if if you guys keep charging us money and then of course we'll say that's the point and uh like what if this lady hadn't been pregnant like you know what i'm saying what if there wasn't something so obvious that the the facial recognition had gotten wrong how how might this have shaken out you know and how is this shaking out for other people that are like wrongly identified like do we ever find out has anybody somebody been convicted of something you know, probably where they never would have even been a suspect without the facial recognition. I would bet. So I mean, uh, we've, if I had to bet, I would, I would take that bet. I mean, we've definitely killed innocent people on yep. death row. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm so, saying is none of this is perfect. And I feel like, I feel like the facial recognition, you shouldn't even be able to like use facial recognition until you have another reason to believe that someone that you that you yeah. that you found someone. I don't know. I think that this is going the wrong way. Like the facial recognition should be we have this evidence, we know this person was there and the camera is here and our forensic people looked at it and believe it's the same person and this software believes it's the same person and it should be like in that order. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, what you got, HK? 
All right. So uh, my story is about a a cool little project that just reached their 1.0 milestone. It's called VanJS. It is a front-end framework that is very similar to React, except it does not have a virtual DOM like React does, and it also does not have JSX. Uh, it has something that looks a lot like JSX, but it's all just actual JavaScript functions. Uh, so it's like if uh, it's like if React was made out of Lisp. <laughs> There's just parentheses everywhere, uh, and it's it it looks like functional programming, uh, and it's it's really neat. The kind of things you can do. It has this uh, this function called state van.state where you can create two-way bindings so you can have uh you can have that state be the the value of an input you can have that state be uh mutated by a button or by some event and it'll immediately show like it's uh it is reactive so it shows in the uh in the ui you don't actually have to like go in and update it manually so it's uh I was reading through a lot of the examples, and it's really neat what you can do with this this project. Uh, and there is a uh, there is something very interesting about this project. It was made by a uh, a Google engineer, an engineer working at Google. Uh, and when he made it, uh, he he had to go to Google because when you uh, when you become employed by Google, and I worked at Google, uh, Matt worked at Google, we both had to sign contracts like these. When you work at Google, you have to, in your employment contract, is a uh, a clause that states anything you write, even if it's on your own time, even if it's on your own personal PC, on your own time, it belongs to Google. Any code you write at all while you work for Google, uh, like while you are employed by Google, belongs to Google. So uh, the the guy who wrote this uh, this project, Van.js, actually talked about how he had to go to Google's. Uh, I forget the name of the the uh, the organization that he had to go to within Google, but basically ask them to release their own copyright and assign it to him, even though he wrote it. He wrote it all on his own time. He wrote it all on his own PC and Google just owns it. So he actually had to go to Google and ask, hey, can I have this thing that I just wrote on my own time? And Google, you know, assigned it to him. So good for him that he actually got to keep this thing that he wrote. But what if Google had been like, "Mm, no, that's actually cool. We want that. Then he'd have been fucked. And I think personally that it is it is because there are no software engineer unions. Uh, that is absolutely something that a union would not accept in a contract. And these big companies like Google can get away with that. Uh, I also worked for Microsoft. I worked uh, at LinkedIn, which is owned by Microsoft. And Microsoft has an, an invention assignment clause. But Microsoft's invention assignment clause is actually reasonable. If you build it on company time or with company property, then that invention is assigned to, uh, like ownership of that invention is assigned to Microsoft. 
that is much more reasonable because if let's say this guy had built Van.js using his Google laptop, uh, he didn't own any other computer. He only owned the, the laptop that Google lended him. So he didn't own it. It was, it's Google's laptop. Then sure. Google could say, you know, you built that with our laptop or if he took, you know, four hours out of every work day where he was supposed to be working and went and worked on this Van.js project, then sure, Google could say that they reasonably have a right to own that thing. But it is ridiculous to me that these big companies like Google, and luckily Microsoft doesn't do this, but Google in particular, I know does this because I've worked there and I've had to sign this that clause in the contract. Uh, it is absolutely ridiculous to me that they claim ownership of anything their employees write. Uh, so sorry to get all down about that during what's supposed to be a, a cool, you know, shout out of this, this really cool project. Van.js is actually a really cool project. Uh, another thing I forgot to mention is that it's incredibly small. It's only 0.9 kilobytes uh, compared to React, which is like tens of kilobytes. Uh, so, it's also small. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, what do you guys think? Uh, if Dave doesn't have anything to say, I'm probably going to uh, monopolize the rest of your time on this one. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, how does the. Uh, um, like overall, how does it work? Because, uh, you know, I used to do a lot of stuff with Lisp and specifically with Clojure. Clojure has both the regular, the Java version Clojure, and then there's Java or there's Clojure script, which compiles to JavaScript. So you can write Clojure, a Lisp language for everything in your, uh, you know, project. The problem is when you get onto the front end, like, the uh, functional programming paradigm doesn't work real well. It doesn't fit well with, you know, front end programming. Uh, it's hard to kind of hard to explain why. Uh, you know, I can tell you there's there's ways to get around it, but the the way to do it, like the way you're supposed to do it, and people have done this, you know, done tests for this sort of stuff, is really slow. Is <laughs> the only way I can say. <laughs> uh, I can try to describe it if you want, but. Yeah, uh, um, if you know how it works. So, I would say, like, first of all, this is not functional programming. Uh, okay, like Van.js isn't itself functional. Uh, it can have side effects. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's not dependent solely on the input that you give it. Uh, so it, it doesn't follow all of the functional paradigms. But that doesn't mean you can't write functional code with it. Uh, yeah. You can certainly write a function that uses Van.js that, that follows those uh, functional paradigms, functional programming paradigm. Uh, yeah. But uh, like the reason it, I, it reminded me of Lisp is that there are so many parentheses because every time <laughs> you create a function, uh, sorry, every time you create an element, uh, unlike JSX, where you write it and it looks like XML, with Van.js, you write it as an actual JavaScript function. Like, what you're writing is the real JavaScript that can run in the browser, um, unlike okay. JSX, which has to be compiled to JavaScript. Uh, so, with Van.js, uh, it, it looks a whole lot like Lisp. That's, that's all I meant by that. 
<laughs> but it doesn't really work like it. Um, it's no, it doesn't really work like Lisp. Uh, I know only a little bit about how it works. The van dot state function will actually return uh, a JavaScript proxy object, which they're really cool objects that let you uh, essentially take any accessor, uh, not just an accessor that you know the name of at, uh, at compile time, but any accessor at runtime and essentially override it, provide your own getter and setter. Uh, so a, a proxy object lets you, uh, lets you essentially uh, catch any time someone tries to, to assign a property to that object um, and do other things with it. So I know that's how the, the state, uh, the return value of the state function works. And that's how you get things like these, uh, like it, it'll automatically update places in your HTML in the DOM when something on that state value, on that state object uh, is manipulated. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, other than that, like it's, it works pretty similar to JSX where it's just creating actual DOM elements. Uh, and okay. then... You know, it has its own functions for attaching those to the real DOM. Uh, and it also works in Node.js as well. So you can do server-side rendering with Van.js. Um, so it sounds like it's like kind of a Lisp-like skin on <laughs> JavaScript or <laughs> something. Uh, kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, for functional languages and, and Clojure Script or other Lisp, the idea to deal with like the uh um the GUI type programming is you'd have basically the state of your GUI, right? And then you have like any inputs or something coming in, whatever's gonna actually change that that state uh coming in. Those are all compiled together. You can kind of consider that as an entire state. Uh goes into the function, right? That's your inputs to the function, and then the function will return uh, a new state. Right. That's yeah. the state that it's supposed to be in. The problem is like, if you do that, like, and you're just getting a new state, now you have to go through this like tree of states and basically yep. make it show in the GUI. And that's why it's really slow. <laughs> yeah. So what you're describing is actually how Redux works. Okay. Uh, Redux is used a lot with JavaScript uh, where you have, uh, so the, the way Redux works is you have, uh, reducers that take this large state object and reduce it to just what you need in a particular function. Uh, and it, it, you can also uh, like essentially pass it events that will update that state uh, yeah. and then you know rebuild the, the tree. And the way React works is every time you, you mutate a state like that, React will uh, create its own what's called a virtual dom uh its own internal representation of the dom and then check with the real dom to see what has changed between the virtual dom and the real dom and it will only update the areas of the dom that have changed between the two but dom diffing is a very expensive function so yeah. the fact that van.js does not have to do dom diffing against a virtual dom and a real dom uh, makes Van.js faster than React uh, for 
UI updates. I will say just for UI updates, I don't know about other things, but just for UI updates, Van.js is faster than React. It would probably be on par with Svelte because Svelte also does uh, like pinpoint DOM updating when you mutate the state. And just for clarification, the virtual DOM is like a, it's like an online dominatrix with like whips and chains and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> virtual DOM dot XXX. Yeah. I think is what you're uh, not available. in our <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, if there's no more, uh, over to you, Dave. All right. So our first story, <clears throat> a uh, Google street view car crashes into a Creek after a 100 mile per hour plus uh, car chase in indiana i know disappointing this didn't happen in florida um <laughs> google spokesperson says we partner with our contractors to drive and collect imagery we take the safety of our street view operations very seriously and we're committed to working with the contracted company and local authorities to ensure proper actions are taken to address this situation uh the person had a florida driver's license and just for some reference uh these drivers make about 11 to 17 dollars an hour doing this job um what do you you ever seen like a blurry uh street view uh <laughs> image and wonder if maybe the person was going 100 miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> so what happened were they like they were driving around and then the cops wanted to pull them over so they just decided to run for it is that what happened no no they were already they were already, already in warp drive <laughs> <laughs> okay. and they, you know wow and uh you know a, a, a cruise uh you know a, a traffic cop or whatever i don't know maybe it was um i don't know you know i don't know much about the area it was in it isn't in a isn't in a big city because yeah. it did careen into a creek but you know law enforcement noticed that they were going you know a hundred they what they believed to be more than 100 miles an hour when they first noticed and uh took chase the person didn't stop and then um blew a red light and then ended up crashing into a creek Wow. Is the driver okay? Uh, they were taken to the hospital and then released from the hospital and taken to jail, charged with all manner okay. of reckless driving related charges, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, surely in jail, but, you know, hopefully not dead. Not dead. Not dead. Okay. Is there multiple yeah. people in a, in a street view car? Or is it just one person driving? Or this one know? seems to be like just one person. I imagine there might be okay. scenarios where there's more than one, maybe like. But the car's doing all the work. All, all you're all you're told is your route and to just drive the you know drive safely yeah. on that route. You don't do actually do anything if you're the. I mean, you're driving the car, but you're not like monitoring the equipment or anything like that. So a second yeah. person would just be there maybe to keep you company. What I, I would so. want to like, know is, are they going to put the pictures up? <laughs> I'd like to see them. It probably took pictures during this chase. I would really like to see like. A Google, you know, a Google Street View photo where you like you tilt the camera around and then like there's just cops with their sirens <laughs> blaring right behind. Uh, that, that would be yeah, pretty funny. I I saw this and I was like, "What's going on here?" I was like, "This story is probably really <laughs> boring." And then and then I looked at it and I was like, "No, this is a good story. This is a very this is a very very how the tech are you story." Yeah. This is very, you know, for our other show, we say this, this story is very down ballady. Well, this is very H T T A Y E. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 
I don't know why there's like no, you know, obviously this person wasn't available for an interview or whatever. There's, there was no, you know, no discussed or like assumed reason for why they were going around at a hundred miles an hour or more. Um, I don't know if they were like on duty or like, maybe they, maybe there's no images because they were, you know, they were just driving the car back home or something. Yeah. That would be very sad. Yeah, uh, Google's not going to release. They're not going to release the images. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They're not. I just hope uh, they exist. I, I, hope so. I was yeah. hoping for. I haven't used uh, Street View in a while, but you know, like, does you remember? Like, they had little spots in the ground, and you'd click on them and go to, like. That's how you like move around, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm hoping like when you get up to that intersection or where, wherever, there's like a spot in the creek that you could go to. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very funny yeah i'm I'm glad nobody was hurt um yeah you know, whatever um but i i this i just thought this is a very funny story and our next my next story and the last story for this week is um there's no porn hub in arkansas after they uh passed a new age verification law in arkansas where you have to before you can look at porn you have to verify your age and i don't know what by what method they're having you do that um i imagine it's rather easy to circumvent but uh what we have here is um there's a similar law that passed in louisiana earlier this year MindGeek mind geek is the company that runs pornhub the company said that uh traffic in that in louisiana dropped by 80 percent. so instead of rolling out age verification systems in arkansas they just decided to block the traffic entirely and they called on users to contact their state representatives to oppose these laws now again, this is uh, the age verification thing is probably very easy to get around, and so would this uh, block. This block thing would be very easy to get around. <laughs> True. Uh, this, a, this is a perp- perfect opportunity for HTTP status code four fifty one. Yeah, uh, not available for legal reasons. I bet that's what comes up. Probably. So I think I remember reading about this earlier, like a while ago, but it's not, you know, right before it comes out. But the, the issue is their age verification is kind of, a um, kind of draconian. Like, like you have to go through a lot to get age verified. It's not like what we do now where we click, yes, I am 18. <laughs> no kind of thing. Um, there's a lot more that, that goes on to, to be verified. I think like you, it's possible you have to like send in like a photo of your driver's license or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, like it's, it's probably it's, it's probably similar to what I have to do if I order like uh, vape products online. It's probably a, a long uh, akin to that. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know, and I think that's why they're complaining because it's like it's not that they don't want like to let ever underage people in. It's like it's just the process for getting age verified that's required by this law is over the top. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, like getting around this. First of all, that you get around you get around the fact that it's been blocked the same way you get around the age verification law, right? Yeah. You do the same yeah, a thing. VPN. Yeah, you just you, you use a VPN and it's like, oh now yeah. I'm in California. Yep. <laughs> this is what uh, happens when people who don't understand like the even the most basic things about how the internet and your computer work try to write laws about the internet and your computer. Like now there's probably kids that are like weren't even inclined to look at Pornhub and in, in, in uh Arkansas who are like, well, now I'm gonna look at it, I can get around this. Yeah. Uh when I was young, I had to buy dirty magazines from a friend at school that found his uncle's stash. <laughs> well. 
So, you know, if it was hard in my time, it's got to be hard in their time. They're well, going to have to buy a VPN. <laughs> at risk of breaking, <laughs> at risk of getting uh, downranked by YouTube, it's not get. It's not going to be hard in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering who's going to make that joke. <laughs> I, I, I had to. It was just, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't just leave it there. I could not leave the joke there. This yeah. is all really dumb. <laughs> They've tried to do this before. There was others where it was voluntary, where you joined like a grouping of sites where it was age verified. But the problem is the way they verified your age was charging your credit card 10 bucks a month. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, well, no, you're just verifying that I'm, I have a credit card and that I can give you $10 a month. You're not really you have verifying access to a credit card. Yeah, you're not really verifying. <laughs> I had a credit card age. when I was 16. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, maybe they were doing it in good faith and also didn't understand. But I, I feel like those age verification, like the web rings or whatever, were just. It was just to get ten bucks. Yeah, it was a scam. Yeah. So like most what you, things on the internet. So what do you what do you think? Do you think that um you think that Arkansas is going to repeal this law, or do you think that it's just not going to matter because people are just going to use a VPN? With our current political climate, they're probably not done. They're probably not. They're going to have probably the probably the next thing for age verification is the library's website. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah. And then Wikipedia. Yeah. And then maybe everything but the Arkansas government website. Right. Oh, maybe boy. Arkansas should just, you know, remove the internet from Arkansas. Or just kick out everybody under 18. <laughs> like, they don't have to participate in the internet. You know, if they don't like it, they can just not have internet. And, and the other thing is, like, let's... How are they going to... for? How would they force a company that's outside of the U.S. to comply with this? I don't think they can. <laughs> yeah. People would yeah, just, I I don't think we have like treaties of extradition that that extend to like people that run websites. Yeah, I don't think so. So I think that <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of I think I think a lot of sites are just gonna like not comply with Arkansas, right? And yeah. just yeah. be like, come get me, I guess. Whatever. Or the only sites that will comply are the sites that have normal porn. And then the kids will end up looking at the like super weird porn. <laughs> yeah. And then it's all going to be Japanese porn. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the weirdest. You'll just have like an entire generation. That's a, an entire generation of Arkansonians. Is that what they're called? Sure. Arkansas people that are just like the only thing they know is like tentacle hentai porn. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 yeah. that's unlikely, but quite funny. So I guess that's that's my stories for the week. Um, HK, I think maybe it would be your turn to read the show out, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. This has been How the Tech Are You? This is our weekly tech news show. Uh, if you like this show, you can check out our other shows at echoplexmedia.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can do that at patreon.com slash echoplex or on our store, eplex.store. Uh, is it eplex.store or eplex.shop? .store. Okay, eplex.store. Uh, also don't forget to like and subscribe, uh, all the YouTube things and have a great tech and week.